0: Welcome to the Busy Mumsy Podcast. I'm your coffee-infused host, Ashley Verma, and I'm here to share all my ups, downs, and all-arounds of being a mom to my gorgeous Adia, owning a fitness business called Define London, and truly managing being a unsingle, single mom as we cheer on my husband and his amazing business in Uganda. Oh, yes. Oh, oh, is this a mic check? You heard that right uganda and he is not doing the daily commute so each week i will be joined by a fellow inspiring thriving and surviving busy mumsy we all need to take a deep breath together we try we navigate and not be too hard on ourselves i get it i am human and failures simply happen i am not shiny and i am never filtered unapologetically i am at its best and worst busy mumsy Hi friends, Ashley here and happy birthday to me. Happy birthday to me. Last Wednesday in November. Happy birthday to me. Woo! Another year around the sun for me, a bit older, a bit wiser, a bit more back pain. And well, that's about it. Um, <laughs> You know, I'm not one to get all uh, sad and mopey that it is my birthday and um I'm not cranky about getting older. Um if anything things just keep on getting better. I'm not going to lie. Things keep get getting better and I love learning and you know, more importantly I love this whole mom life. I love mom life. I love being a mom to Adia and being a wife to Ricky. And um, you know, as they say, the best is yet to come, right? Um, So don't worry, this episode is not just going to be all about me harping on about my birthday. Um, I'm going to tell you though, that I got a birthday gift. Got a birthday gift that I'm going to share with you today. And that birthday gift was from my mother-in-law Bv uh, Baroness Verma. Um, she <laughs> she basically was like Ashley. Who do you want on the podcast? Like, here's the black book. Who do you want? Let, let let me try to make it happen for you. And you know what she did? She made it happen for me. And I am I'm going to like let the birthday vibe kind of trickle over the fact that I'm nervous as can be. But today. Due to my fabulous mother-in-law, she has introduced me and I get to bring her onto the Busy Mumsy podcast, Asma Khan. Asma Khan is an Indian-born British chef, restaurateur, and cookbook author. She owns Darjeeling Express in London, and I believe they just like solidified the new location and revamped Darjeeling Express will be opening in 2023, I believe, which is so exciting. She runs a all-female kitchen. Like that is freaking epic. She is all about women empowerment but just simply empowering anyone and everyone around her. Um, If you are familiar with the Netflix docu-series, Chef Table, I am a huge fan. Uh, She is season six, uh, many accolades won for this particular uh, episode. It is beautifully shot um, all around India, where she grew up, and just gives insight to not only how and why she became the most fabulous cook ever, but also that insight to how she was brought up, how she was raised and how you know she sees life and how she wants to constantly give to empower. So it is my absolute pleasure and birthday treat to uh, welcome onto the Busy Mumsy podcast, Asma Khan. Con, welcome to the Busy Mumsy podcast.
1: Thank you very much for inviting me.
0: Well, I, 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 I'm going to not lie. I'm going to be very honest with you right now. I'm very nervous. As you can just hear, my stutter just started picking up and it is in. I am so honored to have you on the show as, firstly, I am a huge fan of the Netflix docuseries uh, Chef's Table. So when my mother-in-law, Baroness Verma, said, Ashley, I know her. I was like, What
1: are you kidding me? Please, can you introduce me? Your, your mom in law is very sweet. I meet her in parliament, uh, I meet her in all these kind of big Indian gatherings. And, you know, she's a recognizable figure, you know, in parliament for all of us Indians to look up to. And she's always makes it a point to speak to as many people as possible. So, any gathering, She's always got a lot of people around her, but she always finds time to come and speak to me.
0: Well, you know, I I have to say that having a South Asian influence as a mother, as a mother-in-law in in the family, there is nothing like it. Like they're, they're seriously like, you know, for my busy mumsy listeners to have that powerful woman just in charge and. Ruling the roost. There there really is nothing like it. Not to take that away from my mother, but there is just a different vibe, a different sense when you are have that culture behind you. And I want to dive into because, as I just mentioned earlier, that I am a huge fan of uh, Chef's Table, the docuseries on Netflix. You know, it is a beautiful story that was presented and your story is epic and it has been ringing bells, you know, since that uh, docuseries had uh, launched. But what I want to touch on today as this podcast is all about a busy mumsy, a mother, a dad, a grandparent, uh, a sibling that loves, nurtures a child. And what I would love to hear from you, Asma, starting out is about your journey as a parent, when you first found out that you were expecting your first son?
1: I think I felt a huge sense of relief. I have to admit, because I was worried because I had delayed having a child uh, because I was studying uh, at university. So I I literally sat and calculated months and thought that, you know, let me try for a baby because if I do get pregnant, I should be five months pregnant when I do my exams. So over this, so literally, that was just a hunch. And I was so excited when I realized I was pregnant. And yes, I was five months pregnant doing my law exam, my final law exam. Uh, and uh, so sometimes when my my son behaves in this very erratic and odd way, I think you know, was it the kind of early months in the womb when I was studying for my final law exams? Because I don't understand why he's like this, but he. You know, it was a sense, huge excitement for my husband and me. Also, unfortunately, it kind of coincided with the same time that my father-in-law got very unwell. And I know that this was an issue for my in-laws family that, you know, that, you know, I hadn't had a child in seven years, uh, which Asian family is a big deal. And I was very, very excited. And I have to say, ours has been and is every day a source of great joy for me and my firstborn.
0: And then your your second boy, th- th- there's there's like about five years between the two. Is that correct? Yeah,
1: yes. Second so, boy, pregnancy yeah, was was very yeah, traumatic.
0: traumatic. Like I I feel like there's always, the, I, actually I I slightly feel it at times as well. Of like, okay, come on, we need baby number two. Like let's rock and roll. Um, I, however, I am older, so I I do have that playing against me. But you know, was there? It, was it because of school? Was it because of law? Was it? You were then diving into cooking that kind of made you put, pump the brakes, if you will, for the five-year gap?
1: No, and I actually, I'm glad you asked this because I've never spoken about this publicly. I think that women should always get themselves tested because I, I had PCOS, So I had polycystic ovaries, and I went to, to my doctor, and I told him, and he was pretty unconvinced. Faraz is now almost 18. So this was 18 years ago. He was, uh, there was huge pushback. And uh, I, he sent me for a scan, but I didn't see anything. I had no idea why. So I insisted on a blood test because I had done all my research on my own. And I insisted on a blood test. And yes, testosterone levels were elevated beyond high than they should have been. So I definitely had PCOS. So I had to get treated for it before I had the next baby. And you see this in a lot of, of women who have... I had my first child when I was 30. And I had forest when I was thirty-five, and it is, you know, quite common, especially among South Asian women, for because to be undetected and for not sure why I do not think it's a problem with the health service or the fact that they can't work this out or you know you don't talk about you know issues like this. I you know I spoke about it. I talked to people and even heard of it. You know, everyone was like, you know, I don't know what it is. So this is why I have a five-year gap between my children. Oh, wow.
0: I mean, so in the education then that they gave you, then they gave you the all clear that obviously you could have another child once they established that you had this and that, yeah. you know, is there was there – I mean, please educate the, myself and the listeners on, like, did you have to go through any sort of treatment for this or was this something that they just had to monitor for no, you? No, there was, there own-
1: was treatment. It's completely, you know, so they don't operate on you. It's just a tablet that you take and, you know, and it is, you know, you can actually reverse it. The other thing is that at that time, they told me, you know, lose weight and I did. And that helped a lot as well. And you, you feel it immediately. You feel like you feel different uh, because you're so used to having this kind of hormonal imbalance. You think this is how life is. But when it starts normalizing, they realize, oh, my God, you know, I'm something different is happening to me. And uh yeah, so there are kind of very obvious signs. I'm going to quickly tell, say what it is. You your, your skin breaks out. Mine didn't. This is one of the reasons why the, the doctor was like, you know, I don't think you have a problem. Your skin starts breaking out, you know, unusual kind of skin problems because your skin becomes super oily. Your hair starts falling. Uh, that's another sign. If you, your hair starts falling and starts falling, you know, like in a male pattern baldness. Not from the front. Women lose hair differently from men. If your hair starts falling more, like you know, the kind of from the back of your hair, uh, that also didn't happen to me. And you know, you 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 starting on a bit of weight in the middle, uh, so like you know, think of an apple shape. That's what you do, and that also didn't happen to me. But I knew there was something problem. There was a problem with me. So you can have these three clear signs. Anyone who is unsure just google it it's very well explained and a lot of now the nhs also has a lot of information on this because it's not at all serious unless it becomes very entrenched and then it cannot be reversed
0: and so, so 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 you get through and then we are pregnant you've fallen pregnant with baby number two another boy yes and to then reflect back on the netflix series um To know that you now are going to have two boys or you have two boys and reflecting back on your own upbringing as that second child, the second female of the house, and that means a different connotation within your culture and within your being. And now you have two boys. As a mother, as someone who is very vocal of women empowerment, how did you navigate teaching your boys about what you went through as the second daughter of the well, house. The thing is
1: that you know they they can't even understand it because my mother's initial reaction to disappointment is what I spoke about in Netflix. But after that, she was fiercely supportive of me. And when my brother was born three years later, she never celebrated his birthday or his his birth ever in any kind of great way. He was not the blessed boy at all. So the three of us were raised in a very fair and even way. So for my kids to look at this now. They can't pick this up because, you know, they can see me being, you know, completely pampered by my mama and, you know, my parents. But in society, it is an issue. And this is not an issue which is just uh, in in the East. You share you stories on the West where, you know, I know a friend of mine whose grandmother gave the family house to her nephew, but not to her own son because he had two daughters. It is not at all unusual. This is an Asian family. But... You see it all the time over here. The number of women who have been left by their husbands in an arranged marriage situation where they only had two girls, is crazy. And you ask, why does this marriage break? Could it be because of this? No one talks about this. It's kind of hidden shame. This was the reason why I talked about this in Netflix. I think my kids, uh, my younger one is less vocal, but I know he feels it very strongly. My older one completely understands and has lived this entire experience with me. Has now started working with me, so he understands why it is so important. And I think it helps a lot that I have a very, very uh, liberal-minded, very emancipated, highly educated husband who doesn't do all of this kind of, you know, gender roles. And uh, if this is why you know I came here without learning how to cook, because he told me he'll feed me. And he's just a bad cook. That was a my bad luck. But, you know, he didn't. He said, I don't believe in all the general, It's fine. You know how to cook. You know how to cook. So he wasn't this kind of traditional South Asian, you know, patriarchal man. So it's not just for me. It's for my husband as well. I have to give him credit for that.
0: that. And how was the communication for the two of you raising two boys? Because you both are highly educated, as, as you just touched on as well, and like thriving within business. That how were the both of you able to communicate and juggle raising two boys
1: well i think that i mean i have to be very honest i think that i could have been a much better mother i have i have been away for a lot of meals so the very asian thing is to kind of have meals with your kids so i know that this is where you know obviously i run a restaurant so i'm you know if i was only over COVID that i realized what it is to eat every meal with your children, which is a which is a pleasure that a lot of women have, and please take it as a privilege because I felt extremely privileged when I managed to find that I could have breakfast, lunch, and dinner whenever the kids managed to get up for it for breakfast. Uh, you know, it was a, an honor. And, you know, you cannot just you know you cannot perfect everything. I'm I understand that I you know. I've probably not been ideal mother to my kids. It's been very hard. They have been very tolerant. They are the least demanding, very, very chill out laid-back kids. I don't know whether this is their personality or them having to make do with the fact that I was not the helicoptering over them. But I hope at some point they will forgive me for not being there because they saw what I was doing. And I think that, you know, my older one, I noticed this, of course, I'm not allowed to, I'm not his friend on Facebook. I'm not allowed to follow him on any social media. He follows me. But like, he kind of told me, mama, please kind of, please don't follow me. And please don't make friends with me. So we're not friends on any social media thing. But I notice every time consistently, every time I put a post, one of the first people who likes it is my son. So, you know, he's very, very proud of what I do. And we discuss politics for hours, him and me, the older one. The younger one is far too intelligent for me and confuses me by knowing too much. So he's in a deeply intellectual uh, <laughs> mini professor. He oh, I loses, me, he loses right. me within seconds of a conversation. So I kind of understand that, you know, he's just going to speak. and you know, I'm just going to listen because I already know what he's talking about. He's highly, highly, highly intelligent, very, very academic. Uh, he, you know, what, a,
0: the, the, what is the dynamic then like between the two boys? If you've got like this kind of like vocal and then kind of someone that's a little bit back, like do, like, do you have to mediate between the two of them still? Not at all. Like-
1: They've never fought, they've never argued. They love each other intensely. They're very defensive of each other. Occasionally, when I've made pot shots at one of them, the other will always step in and tell me I'm wrong and how unfair I was for what I said, and defend their sibling. Even in a disaster situation, you will find them defending and each other. Uh, you know, and but they never gang up and you know say things to me. But if they could, they would. But they they just that's where they stop. But they're very, very fiercely, you know, loyal to each other, which makes me very proud. They're very close to both sets of grandparents, very, very close. Uh and and also for, for both the boys, they know the entire kitchen team really well because they used to be in my house, you know, in the supper clubs. And very, very fond of them. So, you know, even though Forest will not come to the restaurant a lot, but when he does come, he goes straight to the kitchen, he'll embrace all the women, he'll ask them how they are, they send him chocolates, he will go and meet them for Diwali. He, you know, so, and of course, Aris is now working with them. Uh, so they are very, they're very close to this whole project. And I think they do understand it.
0: Right. But I, I actually want to go back to, because you just, you had just mentioned the Supper Club and I wanted to ask. With the boys, were they heavily involved? Because this was such a huge thing for the Busy Mumsy listeners. My gosh, please go watch this docu-series. It's incredible. And and please pick up any book that Asthma has written. Because I are, are we up to two books now? Yes, two books now, yes. Yeah, two, two books now. I mean, come on. I mean, it's just, it's so unbelievable and empowering. And just to see a woman just keep on going is just like, I... I'm, I'm a huge fan, obviously, here we are. But with that said, with having the boys involved back into when it really originated, these supper clubs take us back to that kind of just family feel. But it wasn't just your family. It was neighbors. And then it turned into just guests that heard of your supper club.
1: I, and I, I want, you know, especially for women who have got family You know, never think, you know, because when I, this is, you know, 10 years ago, when I wanted to cook, there were no options for me. I didn't drive. And my God, the weather in England is horrible. So I don't want to do street food. And street food as well, 10 years ago, was limited of what I could do. You are now at the best time in your life. You can work from home. The whole culture... COVID had some advantages, a lot of disadvantages. One advantage, people buying online, that people were posting food and people didn't think this was odd, that you chill packed, you know. I chill packed and posted biryani in deep lockdown as far as Scotland. I would never do this. Biryani is sacred. It is served in a very ceremonial way for me. And anyone who's seen Netflix will understand where I'm coming from. I had to survive. I chill packed biryani and I posted it in this whole country. It kept my head out of the water. I managed to pay my staff. I didn't lose anybody. And so the thing is that people are used to it. They don't think it's something odd. And there are now systems that people who pick up the food. So for me, I had to start from home because this is the only option available to me because I didn't have the money. I didn't have the confidence. I didn't think people would pay. There was no way of, but starting from home, you know, as long as you comply with all the health and hygiene regulations that you register with the council, you follow all the kind of what you are required to do by law in your own council and councils are surprisingly very, very helpful. So you will, you know, there's a lot of data, information, there are packs that will give it to you. you there are courses you can do online. You don't really need to go anywhere. You can, you can read all about it, and then you can actually work from home. And, you know, it doesn't have to be a supper club, which is a full meal. I know people who are, you know, just making paratas. I know people who are doing lasagnas, you know, which they deliver to people. There is no reason why you cannot actually start now. I started when my kids were quite young. But today, I don't need to be at home because my kids are like 23 and almost 18, but I had a head start. I I perfected my skills. Use this time when you are actually unable to leave the house, be out at night, you know, the kind of things that come up with hospitality that, you know, you can't come by at 11 o'clock at night, you know, this is school day, you know, never be afraid. Find ways around and cook and do things that you want to do with the kids.
0: But Asma, where did you find the confidence? I mean, this is one thing that women really struggle with postpartum. And it is finding that confidence again and believing and trusting and owning and all of those things where was that aha moment within your gut that said i can do this i may have two children my husband supports me and he's there for me emotionally how can i how, how can that you know person kind of like trying to find the confidence how can they go forward what was that aha like guttural moment for you
1: well there wasn't that moment it was very organic Mm. And the thing is that, so I want everyone who's listening to this, understand that this may not happen. It happens with some women. It didn't happen with me. I, I started very small. I had big dreams. Please dream big, but start small. Keep it realistic, because the thing is that there are pushbacks. You trip and you do fall and there are failures and things may not work out. But, you have the ability to pick yourself up because it's not that you've invested everything in this. So, you know, and all of us are also limited financially by how much money we can invest in this. Uh, this is our big problem with confidence as well. You know, you, you, the moment, and you also, it becomes an added burden. You borrow money from someone, then this is what you stress out about. So try and stay within your means. This helps you a lot with the confidence. And I can tell you one thing, anyone who looks at me now, will not understand. I never thought that people would pay to eat my food. But I began from home. I only did charity events. where the entire money, I didn't even keep the cost of the ingredients. entire money went to the charity. All of them were hunger charities working in Asia and Africa. This is how I began. This is how anyone starting off should also start not because this is an Indian thing, but you, know, you must do something suspicious, feed. I, I wanted to feed people. I fed the hungry first. And this gave me, the, this is now about spirituality. This is about the inner confidence. Because I didn't have that huge moment that, oh, I'm going to do this and I'm going to make something. I started out very low, in a very humble way. And I raised a lot of money for feeding cabs, for malnourished children. This was what I did. I worked for Action Against Hunger. I raised a lot of money by feeding people in my house. And this went into that, just at that time, they had developed something like a kind of toothpaste, which was a nut butter, because when children have not eaten for a long time, they cannot digest. But the long walk for mothers, they often left the girls behind. They took the boys with them to the feeding camp because it was intravenous. They had to come to a camp. And... Now, there was a toothpaste. I helped a lot in raising money for that toothpaste. In the camp today, this is my blood and sweat. In the camp today, when you don't need to keep it under any kind of temperature, it's a toothpaste. The children get slowly start sucking, and they get the strength, and they can walk. They're not left behind. And I knew that it would be girls who would be left behind because the mother cannot take four children and go. she takes the boys. she takes the stronger one, who she has already fed, more than the girls. So this is what I did. So the thing is that my I lacked confidence completely. This gave me the firepower. This gave me the burning ambition that not only was I going to raise money, I was going to make a difference somehow. I wanted to succeed, not for myself. I don't have that kind of enthusiasm to work so hard, the long hours, all the kind of crap. I did it because I knew that if I got ever an opportunity to be on stage where the world may listen to me. I will speak for the girls who cannot speak, for the girls who will never get a chance to be on stage, for the girl that was never came to me. Every girl is now my daughter because I have two boys. So it was that kind of thing. So I, I don't know what happened. There was no confidence. I didn't want to be anything, but there was ambition to do something. And it may be different things for people. Maybe someone wants to kind of, you know, live a better life. Maybe someone wants to become famous. Maybe someone wants to be in newspaper. I'm not judging, you know, what it should be. You need a hook, but you also need an anchor which will keep you steady when things get rough. So when things got difficult for me, the idea that I could, I must still push myself so that one day I can be something that I can be someone people listen to, that I can help girls, was what drove me.
0: Asma, there was in the first two minutes of back to the Netflix because I, I, I obviously I'm I'm a bit shook shooken up in like a wonderful way of what you just said. It was very touching, and I I want to go back to the first two minutes of your series, and it says you say I want to find my voice. Jesus Christ, Minnie Asthma, you have one hell of a voice. You have one hell of a voice for women. And I truly cannot thank you enough for coming on the Busy Mumsy podcast.
1: You're welcome. I think that this is a responsibility for all women, that you know, your power and your privilege, your wealth, your education is your gift, but not for yourself. It is the gift you're going to give someone else. I always say this, that, I'm sowing the harvest. I will never reap. I will work every day to leave a lush, happy place for the women coming after me. I need to change the whole narrative of how Asian women are seen, how women who are older are seen. There's so much ageism in our society. I was an old mother. This was very tough in my society. My sister had a baby when she was 19, and you know they and everybody feels it's much tougher to raise children when you're older, you know, harder, when, you know, you start being, trying to work. And there's discrimination. You know, the moment you are older and you've got young children, this is a double whammy. A, you're the wrong age, then you have young children. It's harder to be more successful in a workplace, less likely that you will get the job. So everyone who feels, you know, that it's going to be a struggle, start from your house. Be close to your kids. Do not make choices that will hurt you. You do not have to. You know, there's enough hours in the day for you to be a mom and to start a business, to plan it, to think about it. Because at some point, your kids are going to go to school. Then they're going to go to secondary school. Then they're going to go to college. By which time you would have achieved your dreams. You know, yeah, like you raise time. your
0: children. You have to root down and find the time, right? Like yes. root down, take the time. Don't get stressed that you think you're running out of time because what it you know, whatever's meant to be is meant to be, right? Yes, and if you're strong willed and your passion is there, you will achieve.
1: No, and the thing is that I'm 53. And I and in my community, but it's true for all communities. Women after that they hit 40, they're seen as less valuable, not creative, no one's gonna lend you money, no one wants to give you a lease, all of that. The presumption is you're in the autumn of your life. And I just want to tell everybody, you are now in the spring of your life. After you've given birth to your kids, you can now focus on your second innings. And all of us have a second innings in us. The first innings is all your, you know, build up your education, you're having the kids. Then now you come out to bat for yourself. This is when you fight for yourself and your career and your aspirations and your dreams. That second innings starts in your forties.
0: Yeah. I think women just forget that they have to bat for themselves. They have to step up and just
1: swing. No, we don't because it is so deeply ingrained in us. You know, and I say this, you know, and I work in a lot of food charities. I do a huge amount of work for the world food program. Uh, I'm, I'm involved in a lot of their campaigns, uh, and, I work for, I, I donate a lot, but I also do a lot of work for in Yemen for the feeding camps. I work in Syria. I, I, I do a lot of, because I always feel that, you know, these are people who are hungry. Everyone is hungry. But there's so many in every household, which is agrarian in origin. So Colombia, Ireland, India, Malaysia. Women eat last In every family function, you will find the men are served first. Were they out hunting gathering. No. They're probably watching bloody Netflix. But in family gatherings, men will be served first. You know, in Christmas, any big occasion, who are who are the people who are served first? Who are the people who eat last? The mother. Who's the one who eats least? Often it's the girl. This is in entrenched in our society. And I'm I'm not saying that you know, I, I'm happy for my father to eat first. I'm happy for my brother to get the choices, cuts of meat, but I want to have the choice. Maybe I want It was, I have, an, you know, I was so shocked. I was, it's just so crazy that was, a, the, how incredibly different it was. I was in Washington and, you know, my cousin invited me to host a family dinner for 50 people. And they hadn't told me this. And then, you know, I said dinner is served. And I stepped back. And this youngest girl stepped forward to help herself. And the women helped themselves first, and I cried. i had never seen this in my whole life. And all the men were clapping, saying, this is what we wanted you to see. You made us understand, we do not have right to come first to the table to eat. And the elderly and the man who was 80 waited till everybody ate, as my grandmother would have waited. For generations, women have waited for the last person to eat, and then they will step into it. And all this needs to change. Not because we don't value our men. But we need to change because we need the next generation of girls to know. You walk up to every opportunity equal to the boy. You are equal. Then the world is your oyster. Go conquer. But mothers need to raise girls and boys.
0: Go Boys conquer. especially. Yeah. I, I honestly just the I, I I'm just going to keep on going back and and listen to your words and listen to your words because I want my daughter to have the loudest voice in the room and have ideas and be creative and to be a great partner and you know friend and I want her just to have all of those wonderful attributes to th- just thrive in life and. I can only hope that I am instilling that in her now. She's two and a half. And um, she does have quite the roar. I'm not gonna lie, Asma. She has <laughs> quite the roar. And um I can only hope to keep pushing her forward and, you know, get out there ferociously, but obviously with love as well, always leading with love and gratitude. But um, you know, to really make a mark because my goodness, asthma, you are making such a mark and you are such an inspiration and your time that you've just shared with me and the listeners does not go you know to the wayside it is just for i'm forever grateful for it so thank you so much for coming on to the busy mumsy podcast thank you so much take care Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Busy Mumsy Podcast. If you have enjoyed this week's show, then please, please give it some extra love wherever you download your podcast and give it a five-star rating, a high five, a kickball change, a yes, yes, go Busy Mumsies. And don't forget, you can find out more information about this week's guest, what we discussed, and everything else related to the world of Busy Mumsy by clicking the link in the show notes down below.